All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 29, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, from 1984 and 2005. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this movie originally came out in 84, but the version we're doing, sort of, I mean, it's not really a different version, we're doing the English dub, which came out in 2005. And so as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, this is the same year he did Constantine, this is the same year that he did The Greatest Game Ever Played, it's right in that wheelhouse, it's a couple years before his only other voiceover movie, unless I'm forgetting one, Surf's Up, which came out in mm-hmm. 07, yep. but this is an older movie that was apparently recut as like Warriors on the Wind or something, and Miyazaki hated it. And so I guess they eventually brought over the American... They like they dubbed it and brought mm-hmm. it over here and I guess released it in theaters over here. Yeah, to my understanding, when John Lasseter became sort of a big wig over at Disney, Pixar Incorporated and all that, he was very instrumental in getting distribution rights for all of Miyazaki's movies in America. And some of my Studio Ghibli films have like a little intro from him and everything. And so I think the idea here was to finally do them right and give him like a proper dub and you know because okay. I feel like this script is really good and it's really close to the original and yeah it doesn't feel like they recut or reorganized it. I, I've seen this once before in the original Japanese with subtitles and yeah it, it okay. felt extremely familiar. What I think is kind of funny about the way we're doing this here is that a lot of the times you have purists who are like oh you can't watch the dub the dub is garbage like you have to watch the original with subtitles but like for the, for our purposes here can't watch the original like we have to watch the dub so yeah. sorry purists this mm. is what we're going with yeah, I, I hear them, but I also feel like there's reasons for dubs, you know, especially for children that can't sure, read as yeah, quickly, yeah. you know, yeah, and yeah, other reasons as well. I mean, it just, it gives a new perspective on the movie if you don't have to pay attention to two things at once, and, you know, you can just focus a little closer on the story. I kind of like to watch them twice, you know, if possible. I always like to try to watch it in the original with subtitles, but I feel like anime and stuff like that especially kind of has been easier or better to do than live-action dub especially. You know, you can you can match or change even right. the mouth to accommodate what you need a little easier. Uh, it's kind of a bummer for the, our podcast's sake here that Shia is kind of an insignificant role in this film. He doesn't show up for an hour and he sort of is only on screen for the next, like, a half hour, and he's not even on screen, like, that entire half hour. He's kind of just a... I mean, the important thing, I guess, for our purposes here is that he's a twin for the third time. Yeah, I caught that, too. I was like, whoa, it's kind of just, like, tossed away there. I, I yeah. feel like, like most of his storyline, I mean, it, it's almost like the third story going on in this movie that he kind of represents. They're the third faction of the humans. But yeah, I was also a little bummed that he didn't live in Nausicaa's uh, Valley of the Wind and wasn't... I didn't because I didn't recall... I didn't watch the English version, so I didn't know who he was going to be playing in this. I had an idea once he didn't show up for a while. I was like, okay, he's definitely going to be you know, the pilot that crashes in the, in the forest. And because his twin sister is a princess, I guess that makes him a prince, right? Do they? Oh, I don't know if they yeah. ever really overtly refer to him as prince. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of like a kid that they rescued. Like, it's weird yeah. that they downplay that, but like his whole thing is about how like the princess crashed and all this different stuff, and then he's her twin brother, so he's got to be a prince. Yeah, that's that's never referred to. It's funny, too, that there's that Nausicaa is also a princess, and then the Uma Thurman warrior woman is she, she's also a princess so yeah i guess hey man yeah but there was a king but i guess yeah you're not allowed to be a prince but that's that's funny i didn't pick up on that this is definitely a movie that i had to read the wikipedia summary for and i read it actually 
twice, maybe two and a half times, and I finally get what's going on. I mean, it's clear from the beginning that the movie is at once sort of like anti-war and also pro-environment, like mm-hmm. both together. You can gather what's going on, but a lot of these, to be honest, I know this might be blasphemous, I don't really love the Studio Ghibli movies. I mean, I like them and I think that they're beautiful to look at, but they just don't resonate with me like I know that a lot of their other movies are like some people's like favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. I just I've never had that connection with it here I feel like it's just it's a little slightly maybe too complicated like this is definitely one I mean we just talked about on the Keanu Club episode for Feeling Minnesota which comes out tomorrow if I have my dates right we talked about how like that movie is you know, you don't really understand what's going on the first time, and you would sort of have to watch it again to sort of maybe pick up some second secondhand stuff. This one, you definitely you would benefit from watching multiple times because there's three different groups of people. There's a whole bunch of wars going on. There's like all these creatures. I mean, we're just a thousand years into the future, a thousand years after the fall of civilization, the fall of humanity, basically. Just crazy stuff is going on, and you're kind of thrown in the middle of it, and there's a whole bunch of different, like, factions warring with each other, and there's crazy, gigantic creatures that are there. It's a little overwhelming in kind of like an awe-inspiring way. Yeah, I agree. I I do love these uh, movies, though. I am in that camp. Like, I, especially the ones Miyazaki directs. Like, I do think of them as, like, special when I sit down and watch them. Like, they're they're almost a treat. Like, I was very much looking forward to watching this. And, and in a way, his movies, they, they kind of feel more like poetry, sort of, in a way. Like, I, I, I know that to a large degree, he just sits down and starts drawing storyboards. Like, he is just working off the top of his head without a script. You know, his movies do sometimes go off onto tangents. There may be one too many threads that are not explored or you know, just dropped. You know, he just kind of feels his way through the story a little bit. And I mean, yeah, it's unconventional, you know, and it does sort of make you work a little harder to watch it sometimes on top of them being cartoons. But I find yep. them since they are cartoons and, and his anime, you know, it's it's much more toned down than I feel like people think of when they think of anime. They think more of like Dragon Ball where like the screen's yeah, exploding with, with colors and they're extremely disjointed character designs and stuff. But he is very basic and toned down and, and just much more interested in trying to tell like a human story. But I could totally understand, you know, those... Uh, concerns with this movie. Uh, yeah, they do benefit from multiple viewings, um, and I do like it, even though even I, at times, am like sort of losing my way or confused at times. But uh, I just sort of let it take over and, you know, just let it wash over at times. I do love the character design as well. I, I think, like, the giant bugs and everything, and, and I think, like you say, you know, you are just dropped in a thousand years into the future. It almost has, like, a like a Mad Max vibe to a degree where it's just like an entirely foreign civilization that you are dropped in the middle. It's a little more sophisticated with planes and knights and, you know, kingdoms and things like that, but I almost got like a Final Fantasy feel from it or something as well. So, yeah, while I do see, you know, it's a little overwhelming for the casual anime viewer, like, I, I am totally on board with this one. It's weird and this, I mean, you, you, will, you said this basically, but it's weird how, like, in a world where, like, this stuff does not exist, it is sort of realistic in a way I don't I don't know how to talk about these movies honestly because like they're their own thing and like what you started off by saying about how like he sort of goes on tangents like these movies are more about feel I think than story Mm-hmm. And he wants you to feel a certain way and sort of stumble upon what you think the meaning is, maybe? Like, I don't want to say they're dreamlike, but they're kind of, in a way, dreamlike. And there are dream sequences in this movie that are sort of like dreams within the dream 
uh, sort of a little inception-y there, but, like, they're so unlike what I've... most of what I watch. Anime is, like, a whole realm of things that I just have not delved into, because, number one, I don't know that I would necessarily enjoy it, but number two, if I did, that's, like, a huge rabbit hole to spiral down that I just do not have time for. And so I just don't have a lot to compare this against, and I feel like if I watched a lot of, like, lesser anime, I would maybe appreciate this more. I like it as it is, but it just it it's not the type of movie. Like I'd rather watch, you know, like a Pixar art style or a Pixar movie mm. or like a Disney movie than a one of these, which I know is kind of blasphemous in certain circles. No, I mean I think that's that's cool too. I I mean it might have something to do with like I just there's something about the traditional animation that I've always just preferred. I mean just inundated with it growing up you know I just feel like that's what it is computer art came along a lot later in my life and on top of that I always felt that anime was just like such an incredible master example of traditional animation you know like the idea that this is ink pen pencil paper like people drawing this stuff like always just impressed me I always like even in this film like Miyazaki's understanding of motion is just so incredible like what the wind takes her glider through the air when you know the the ohms are moving through the forest like it's just incredible like his sense of scale and movement and stuff and so I think like that's always been a large appeal for anime for me is just seeing the peak of of that technique yes I also feel like story has sort of fallen to the wayside with that as well I mean a lot of things I like in anime are the popular stuff like Ghost in the Shell and like Akira and well-known stuff but even those are needlessly complex to a degree you know those stories I feel like they could be translated and told much cleaner and they are and this as well they're all sort of adaptions of manga as well so we'll see how Ghost in the Shell is adapted because aren't they doing it next year with Scarlett Johansson so like they're gonna have to probably simplify it to an extent to bring it to like a western audience and make it live action right so I mean yeah we'll see how that happens But with, like, this and Miyazaki stuff, like, I always feel like this could be live action, you know? Like, that's where he's trying to go with it. Like, his style isn't the incredibly, like I said, like, the warped perspective. Like, the you know, humans look like humans to scale for the most part. So, like, I always sit down and, like, in his movies, I almost try to imagine that they are live action to a degree. You know, I always felt like he would have done an amazing Lord of the Rings cartoon or something like that. But that's, I think, that always stood apart for me about his films and what makes them kind of special. And I mean, I'm glad that I saw this. I mean, it's not like Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. It's just not exactly my avenue in terms of, like, animation. I guess the the biggest disappointment for me is that Shia's character is just relatively, like, I'm not even sure why he exists in this kind of mm-hmm. she goes out to rescue him and then she gets captured like i feel like they could have just sort of avoided that altogether in a way like there could have been like a different route that they took that leads to the thing at the end yeah they i think the idea was that they were secretly being pursued in the first place and they weren't telling them that they were gonna there was a risk of being attacked on the way back and right they like so their valley gets invaded by this king this this one army that's at war with another army that we don't even hear of of or see of for a while it's like sort of a big secret and I think that's like Shia is part of that resistance and he like shows up and shoots them out of the sky and goes and rescues Nausicaa and they sort of bond in the forest and go back and see that his 
city has been destroyed, but they destroyed it intentionally. Like, yeah, it's that's when it starts to sort of spiral. Story-wise, it, it sort of gets muddled. And I think you're right. Like, Miyazaki just wants you to feel a certain way at a certain time. And he's using imagery, design, and the music, and, you know, all that kind of... Like, he's trying to show more, I feel like. It's just pay attention more to what you're seeing than what you're hearing for the most part. That's fair. I guess, like, you need to know what's going on. Like, that's why we, we watched with the dub or you read the subtitles, but, like, it is, like, based on what you just said, like, you could really watch this movie just in Japanese with no subtitles and still sort of get, like, probably get, like, 80%, maybe? Yeah, I think you could still follow it, yeah. So that's kind of the the, the culmination of all his movies. I mean, is there anything else that you want to talk about with Nausicaa, or are we good in terms of this? Just, I was, I was just sort of sitting here kind of going, why is Shia even a voice in this thing and then I was like oh well, there's the Disney connection like he's this is distributed true, yeah. by Disney yeah it didn't even occur to me until we were just about to record I, I wrote down like why and then Disney <laughs> and circled Disney I was like okay so that was that was I thought that was kind of interesting is that like he was in even Stevens he was doing some Disney movies and then they're like okay I guess like you know you're going out into the world you're gonna be making big movies like here's a way to do like one more Disney project I buy that maybe and there's also the possibility possibility like you know the same reason that he oh, i want to say it was transformers but maybe not but like the same way he's done other things he just liked it as a kid you know what i mean like hmm. some of his movies i feel like he's done because he liked them when he was a kid so maybe he grew up with this movie oh. i mean this movie came out two years before he was born so maybe this was something that was just on in his house and they, he heard that it was coming i mean there, there's there's a, there's possibilities yeah wasn't that dumb and dumber that everyone thought like hey we That's, love the yeah, original yeah, 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 yeah. like That's let's it. make the mm-hmm. second one. Oh god so i hope i hope that this that was the reason for this is that that kind of karma at least evens out and we sort of like you know one bad one and one good one sort of yeah. even out to good or average or neutral nostalgia so there's a chance tomorrow december 9th i want to say that we have another episode out for man down because rumor has it is coming out in theaters december 2nd not sure if that's just new york la not sure if that's gonna be video on demand not sure what that's gonna be i mean if it's in regular theaters across the country maybe mike and i'll do like a mini episode and we'll come back when it's available to watch at home with a more in-depth one that'll probably be the last all his movies just because that's the last movie that shia watched with the marathon that we haven't covered yet not knowing the status of that uh, we felt that we should do a kind of a little bit of a wrap-up to the podcast here, which we're really never going to be able to do with Cage Club or Keanu Club unless, <laughs> you know, one of them dies, which I Oof. don't want to have happen. But, you know, those are mm-hmm. ongoing projects that they're going to go on for infinity. And even, like, with Zack Attack, Joe and I have decided that, you know, after we catch up on all the Zack Efron movies going from new to old, like, we're still going to go back and watch his new releases when they come out. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So it's not like, like, this is kind of like the only time that we've ever had like a closed project sort of here on the Cage Club Podcast mm-hmm. Network. And so this is the only time we'll ever, we ever have so far or may ever have a way to sort of like look back at the things that we talked about and the movies that we watched and the, the movies that we talked about and talk about our favorites and not necessarily our least favorites. I mean, I think we spent enough time ragging on like Transformers and stuff like that, even though yeah. I would say probably Transformers is closer to the middle than the bottom. Mm-hmm. No, maybe not. They're like, meh. Two-thirds. Two-thirds down. There's definitely worse movies than Transformers that he's done. Yeah. That I would rather not watch again. That he's in. We both came up with top five lists. I mean, is there anything else before we get into the lists? Are there Mm. any sort of final thoughts, like, you know, things that have been on your mind throughout the entire time? (laughs) I mean, like, it's been... It it was a little more of an endurance test than I was expecting it to be towards the end there. You know, I really felt like I was crawling across that finish line for sure. The last two or three movies, I mean, you know monkey business aside but 
like, <laughs> a couple of those other made-for-TV movies were rough. Those were some of the yeah. roughest of the rough that for any of these podcast shows that we've done so far. I feel it's been tough. And uh, yeah, this was cool. You know, this was a, a nice little exclusive thing. I, I liked it a lot, and like, it's cool. That, yeah, I think it's nice we're taking the time now. This is I think the only other thing we've come close to doing is like the Cage Awards, right? Like I, yep. I don't feel like we could ever do another Cage Awards because that was sort of a conclusive here's the first 78 or so of his movies of phase one it's not like next year we can just do the awards for like you know what well, we, like 10 we might movies? be able to do that with Keanu at the end of next year when we catch up to Keanu yeah, yeah we might but be other than to... that it won't happen again you're right yeah exactly so this is nice to, to be able to take a moment here and, and do something uh, for for your sake watching or listening at home we did these 29 episodes over almost three months I think we started wow. around August 15th or so and we're recording this peak behind the curtain. We're recording this one on November 9th, actually a, a month to the day before this episode comes out. Uh, so we did, you know, 29 in three months. That's almost Cage Club pace. But in the same time, mm-hmm. we did, oh God. We were doing Keanu Club. We did 13 Zach Keanus. Attacks. I did about six Zack Attacks. Mike did a Now and Again. So, I mean, I think that... We did Cage Club, right? We yeah. did one Cage Club. We got a couple more Cage Clubs on the uh, on the docket coming up soon. If you're still listening to this, like, you made it through with us, and you listened to possibly 29 and 29 Days, which is a pace that we didn't even... You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's yeah. more of an endurance test than what we did, but <laughs> it was a ride. Yeah. It was was a ride. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> again I think I said a few episodes back like I was surprised that I started cracking at some point too. Like I really feel like I have like a pretty strong tolerance for marathoning films or just yep. like a lot, you know, bad movies that have to or just having to finish certain things I don't want to watch, but yeah, I was really challenged here at some point like I really thought this was just going to be funny like the whole way through I was like wouldn't it just be funny to do what he did and then at one point I was like wow no like I see what he did here you know I understand sort of the artist side of it or whatever like the performance art side of it like I get the value of that now like we took our time in a way to do that we did it quick but we didn't do it in three days straight like he did so I right. give him a lot of credit yeah we did it in three months you the listener possibly did it in one month Shia did it basically in a weekend it uh ooh, that is that's that's rough I mean that is power I mean I know mm-hmm. he slept through a little bit of it he didn't talk about each movie after the fact no but he, he was there you know, you know notes, like, yeah. but he was there yeah he it's uh all his movies man all my movies okay so we did a, each did a top five list of our Shia films, favorite all his movies, movies. Mm-hmm. We were talking off mic that we wind up agreeing on a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how many of these, I'm guessing at least three, if not four. I don't think all five are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing between three and four will be the same on our list. It's just a matter of where they're going to fall. So, Mike, if you want to go first, what's your number five, your fifth okay. favorite Shia movie? All right. Are we going to go like five, then your my five, then your five, my four? Then yeah, your, your five, five, then my five. Yep, okay, yep, yep, ready? Yep. Okay, number five. And it's a, it's a solid place here, too. I'm going, okay. with, I'm going with monkey business. All right, monkey <laughs> business. I mean, I just, I, I love it. It's the best of the worst, but it was really, <laughs> it was really there when I needed it, is what I feel the most about it. Like, that is, to me, like, I feel, like, in a weird way, and I think you may have, too, kind of, sort of, like, have, like, a bond with this movie in a special way, yep. you know? Like, we had just watched, like, some of the worst stuff, mm-hmm. like, True Confessions, Dumber and Dumberber, Charlie's Angels, just stuff, you know, he wasn't even in, and then for him to show up as a prepubescent uh, Shia, 
with like the high voice and the hacking skills. Like it was just like and a, the breakdancing skills. Oh, the breakdancing! Yeah, I mean, it was just like this like uh, amazing breath of fresh air. All right, my number five is the company you keep. All right, the, uh, one of the movies. Maybe this is the only movie. There's there's gonna be one more, but the, one of the one of the two movies on my top five that I'd never heard of before we started this, and I was sort of surprised because it came out recently. And like we talked about when we recorded that, you know, there are big stars in there, or at least big stars in terms of the people that I follow. Anna Kendrick's in there. I never heard of it. Britt Marling's in there. I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. You know, directed and starring Robert Redford, and I'd never heard of it. Like, there's big names in there, especially for people that I track, especially as a former journalism student. I mean, I just like that angle of it. I mean, it's not, I didn't like it as much as I loved, like, Spotlight, for instance. Uh, but I mean, any good movie about journalism and a journalist and just sort of, you know, following that story cool for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I struggled with that being, I'd almost cracked my list, but I thoroughly okay. enjoyed that too. Like, that was another thing about Shia, is like, I feel like we discovered a lot of movies that we wouldn't yeah. have otherwise found, like, Lawless, you know, that's like another one where I just never probably would have discovered, and, you know, another great cat, Tom Hardy, a Tom Hardy role that I had never known, so I got to see that too, so that was cool. Alright, you're number four. Alright, so my number four, one that I really liked, that another one, this was another surprise that a discovery uh, through Shia Club, uh, a guide to recognizing your saints. All right, the uh, the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah, yeah, and I just you know like I think we talked about it on that episode a lot. Like it was we watch a lot of novel adaptations on these podcasts. Like you yep. need just so many movies. That's just part of the business. You know, it's a type of film. You're going to come across a lot of them. And that one really sort of broke a mold in a way. You know, it really told a different way to adapt a novel, the way it started with the older version played by Downey, and then him being like, you know, I'm going to read you my book. And then just, you know, if you weren't sure what was actually true or not, like, was his friend from Scotland, like, real? Or was it just, like, a reflection of his character at that age and who he saw himself as? Like, I just really loved the way it played with reality, unreliable narrator, adaptation the whole nine yards. It it was a nice surprise. And that was one of the ones that I was debating for my final slot, but did not make my list. But that's definitely, I feel like if we extended this to 10, we would probably have like almost exactly the same 10. Mm -hmm. But it's really like narrowing it down to five is the tough part. My number four, and I keep flip-flopping three and four, but I'm going to go with this as number four officially on the record. My number four is Surf's Up. Nice. Surf's Up was a movie that like, if I never saw, I would have continued to write off as just like another needless animation movie in an era in the middle of the 2000s where there's just a lot of those and seemingly from the outside none of them seem interesting but Surf's Up it's great like as we talked about like it's it's a mockumentary style like Mm -hmm. it's creative in ways that I had no idea like I was not ready for it's amazing in terms it's just it's super funny it's inventive it's the kind of movie like I said on that that episode I think like it's the kind of movie that I would want to make it takes you know, the trend of Penguin movies for some reason in the <laughs> mid-2000s and turns it on its head and does something like unique and fun with it. And a movie that out of all the movies in my top five, I might wind up watching that the most because it's short, it's fun. There's really no fat to it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. I love it. Nice. Well, my number three, and for all the same reasons you just mentioned, is Surf's Up. Hey, hey, believe it or not. Like, and I didn't really have a struggle with where that was going to go. I was like, this is smack dab in the middle of my top five. Like, I mean, I know we don't get physical Shia in it, but I just feel like, you know, we talked about how he disappears into character and I felt like his voice really embodied that character and everybody in that movie just did a kick-ass job. You got the dude in there, you know, you've got Zoe Deschanel's in there, you just got everybody. And the animation is top-notch and... 
yeah, it was just like it got lost. I feel like it just never got its due. It got lost in the mix of animation overload during that time when a lot of that stuff was coming out. I feel like there was just a great message to that movie also. It, yep. it, you know, it went with that mockumentary and it ran with it and that was great too. I haven't seen that in a lot of animation and it didn't rely on a lot of dirty humor, a lot of pop culture references like it left all that shit at the door you know and it, and it really yeah. stuck to its gun so for all that and more surfs up is three my number three and this is the one i was flipping flopping back and forth but i eventually went here because this movie made me cry and surfs up did not make me cry it's charlie countryman which is a movie that i saw a couple years ago beautiful it's the kind of movie that i, I really like to see where it's just kind of aimless in a wonderful way i mean there's a purpose to it but it's it's sort of loose like we're just seeing shia inhabit this world it's just tremendous i mean mads is terrifying in it we just saw him in doctor strange and he's he's better in this movie than he is in doctor strange like i like doctor strange as a movie better but he's better in this like he's just like this foreboding presence i mean we have evan rachel wood right you know dolores mm-hmm. from westworld i mean this is kind of a, a a movie everything happening in 2016 reunited or pre a pre-union mm-hmm. back a couple years ago so charlie countryman like we said you know it's a movie that a lot of people haven't heard of and the Metacritic score, the Rotten Tomato scores aren't great, but like I love it. I feel like I I don't want to I don't want to keep stepping on your toes. But I feel like that might be up on your list next ish. <laughs> well, Joey, next on my list <laughs> is indeed Charlie Countryman. This I did. This is kind of up and down, back and forth a little bit um, with a couple other ones as well. Yeah, you know, all the same reasons, but also you know, the, it was great to get out of America and go to this foreign location, and you know, knowing that Shia dropped acid to get into the role, and it, this is sort of like right in the middle of him experimenting a lot, pushing his limits, seeing what he can do. I also was pushed to tears uh, multiple times during this film. I mean, it just caught me off guard in a way I was not ready for, and I totally went along for this ride and and it's one of these kinds of movies that you know I don't I feel like they don't always work in a a weird way but like this one managed to stay together and tell a good like it had like a story running through it but it wasn't really even so much about that it was more just about self-discovery and it was like a just like the oddest Euro trip film (laughs) that I've seen like of a guy going to a foreign city and yeah the acting is great all of it I just loved it so yeah um, Charlie Countryman so my number two i'm almost i'm almost certain i'm gonna step on your toes again here uh my number two is probably your number one it's the first movie we did for all his movies it's fury uh the david ayer movie shy is not the biggest role in this movie but it's just it's it's just such a well-made movie with such a great like it's i think i don't think there's a question like this is the best team of actors in any movie that we watched mm-hmm. in this entire run uh, you know, anchored by Brad Pitt, and you have Michael Pena, and you have John Bernthal, and you have Shia. I mean, everybody in this movie is just tremendous, and it's it's special because this is the first one that we watched for this. It's a movie that I saw in theaters, and I just walked out, and I was just, like, blown away. There's always, there's tons of World War II movies, like Hacksaw Ridge just came out in our time a week ago. This movie is going to stand the test in terms of, like, my favorite, just because it's, yeah, it's about the warscape, the landscape and all that, but it's more so about these people. And they're a family, and, like, they hate each other, but they love each other, and they're miserable, but they're happy, and it's just, it's... It's tremendous. 
I can't guess what your number one's going to be. <laughs> I feel like we're like almost in sync. It's like a Rick and Morty episode where we're right out of sync or something here. But yeah, my number one is Fury. I mean, this movie is just, it's haunting. I think of this movie often, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, this should be taught for sure in film classes as one of the best examples of show, don't tell. And not even just a modern example. I mean, like of all time, like there is so much you see. It's almost part of the character that they're trying to ignore the horrors around them you know like it's just on such another level i feel like emotionally viscerally like it just really really brings really brings it to the table it, this was a side of world war Two i was not you know familiar with and had not seemed depicted in film either you know like the the tank unit the panzer fighting and you know all of that and the behind the enemy lines after d-day infiltrating you know to the last day that the nazis were fighting you know just really wearing it out just the dog days of war is just crazy the realness is just shocking at times but like yeah you know you can't look away the brotherhood you know it is so real between these actors like it just feels like almost at times like you're transported back in time you're watching something for real like you're really looking at something that really happened i mean this movie is great i loved it so fury is my number one so no, i feel i feel bad about what i'm about to say is my number one but <laughs> in uh realistically in terms of like the movies themselves like if, if i'm ranking like my true actual best favorite whatever like everything shifts up one but my number one on this list is Monkey Business. I mean, <laughs> I didn't have more fun watching any other movie or talking about any other movie than I did with Monkey Business. It is so wonderful, and to steal your phrase, it's the best of the worst. It's my favorite bad movie of all time. From the opening credits, I was cracking up. I mean, it's the perfect everything, and it just, oh god, it's so terrific. I mean, there's nothing left to be said about this movie, because we <laughs> talked about it for like an hour 40 just a couple days ago if you haven't seen monkey business and if you love bad movies monkey business is must watch yeah i wish we were rich and could send like every listener a copy you know (laughs) just like let us know you're out there you get you get a copy i think they're only like 89 cents used on amazon so there's no excuse not to own this i made a friend of cage club and keanu club jordan poland clark i made her buy it uh she got a used copy for a penny so plus shipping, it was like four bucks. So I mean, they're out there. The, the DVD's out of print. I don't think you can like stream it. Like you can't even pay to stream it. You can't like illegally stream it anywhere. Hmm. You just have to buy the DVD, but like do it. It's so, so good. So the, the reason that I'm okay putting Monkey Business as my number one is because it's not actually my favorite Shia LaBeouf movie. Oh, uh, my okay. favorite Shia LaBeouf movie, though, is a movie that we didn't do for all his movies because it came out after he watched all his movies. That movie is American Honey. I talked about it at the start, about how I was looking forward to it. I talked about it after I got back from Fantastic Fest and saw it and talked about how much I loved it. This movie is beautiful and wonderful and lyrical. It's a first movie for the star, Sasha Lane. Mm-hmm. Most of the kids in the movie are new to acting. Like, they're not actors. They're just kids that Andrea Arnold found. It's mind-blowingly good, and Shy is amazing in it. It's almost three hours long, and it doesn't feel like that. I haven't loved a movie the way I love this movie since I saw Spring Breakers, and I love mm. them for the same reason. They're both A24. They're just, oh, they're so good. Like, they're just explorations <laughs> of youth and coming of age and just, like, anchored by these tremendous performances, and, like, they're both, like, messy, dirty movies that kind of shouldn't exist, but they both do. This movie, I just can't wait. Like, I just want to watch this movie over and over and over again. 
I can't say enough good things about it. It's my favorite movie of the year. I mean, I've seen like 157 or something that came out this year. Like, it's number one with a bullet. Mm. You know, it's just, it's it's beautiful. And if you love Shia, if you've, if you've enjoyed all his movies, you know, the podcast, not necessarily all, because nobody really enjoys all his movies. <laughs> but if you, if, you, uh, if you like what we've been doing, if you like him in stuff, if you really, truly appreciate the fact that, like, he is this experimental, dangerous, in a sense, actor who was willing to take chances and go out on a limb and just be brave, like, embrace this movie like it's just it's so so good no i can't wait to see it it's like three hours right it's really long too like 243 i think nice so we get you know a lot of shire for your dollar there so i just i've heard crazy things just about this you know from you and just reading in the news you know that like he was getting tattoos as they were producing this movie so like (laughs) he was having trouble matching shots and stuff shire wouldn't stop getting inked so driving the director crazy like i mean they actually took it was like on the road right it was like a road trip film they filmed Mm -hmm. on the road so like i just really look forward to you know seeing it all i can't wait so yeah so i mean that's all his movies you have any final thoughts about shia as an actor or your list or anything i do have one honorable mention actually if okay uh, i figured since you were gonna whip out an extra film i figured i you know, like to just say a quick fair word is about, fair about one more movie. So I guess my honorable mention, you know, because they didn't, you know, pick a movie like Disturbia or Eagle Eye where he was really present, you know, like in that phase. But I have to really give it to him for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom mm-hmm. of the Crystal Skull. Like I really just want to reiterate yeah, that movie. I feel like it's aged well. You know, it's one of those rare movies. It's really not as bad as um, its reputation. And I feel like he's the best part of it. I'm gonna go out and just say that. Like I, Ooh. I like the character. I like when he shows up. I really, what? yeah, Mutt Williams. You know, does he deserve his own movie? I don't necessarily think so, but like, I feel like he's, you know, earned his place in the canon. You know, bring him back. Yeah, and it also just showed that this is a guy who can play ball with big major studios, hold his own. You know, as he said later on in, in interviews, you know, it's like start and stop filmmaking, where it's just you know setting up shots that take forever and filming really fast and then waiting around. But like, you know, he is still able to maintain throughout. The that entire film intensity character all that and that's you know also a testament to his career i feel like he's been extremely consistent in his youth kept up his energy and then later on he's become interesting and experimental so yeah i just want to give him props for crystal skull well said i like that movie a lot too hot take not as bad as you remember so stop bashing it for all things all his movies we've we've completed the journey unless we do man down and you'll find out tomorrow we won't find out in earth time for like a month go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub rate review subscribe on itunes to this show to all shows on the network we've put a lot of episodes out there so if you like movies if you like us you know sort of vaguely describing plots and like talking about why we love things like check them out you know we did cage we did keanu we did zach efron mike's on a couple of those shia monkey club we have now and again we have a new project or two coming out next year also we i mean we haven't really said this but like if you're listening and you want to you know have a show like if you think you have like an interesting podcast if you can be as interesting as we are which i don't <laughs> think is very interesting you know just moderately well spoken you know let us know we'd be happy to talk to you so this is kind of the end of a chapter until at least man down comes out you know the kids club podcast network will go on and we'll keep doing keanu every week and zach attack every month and now and again twice a month and monkey club when it's convenient for everybody and <laughs> you know we'll we'll go from there so 
that's it. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time, question mark, on all his movies. I've got an illness.